0: It's 30 with Murdy, with your host, Sweeney Murdy.
2: He was one of the best hitters in the league at the
3: time, and he was the hottest hitter in the league at the time. At that time, obviously, Donnie was locked
4: in. He privately told several teammates, I'm hitting one a day. All of a sudden, everything seemed like the ball was just slowing down for me,
1: and you just felt like you are going to hit everything hard.
5: 30 years ago this week, Don Mattingly went on a remarkable home run tear. In 1956, Pittsburgh's Dale Long set a major league record by hitting a home run in eight consecutive games. Over the next three decades, a handful of players homered in as many as six games in a row, but no one truly challenged Long's mark. Until Don Mattingly. On this special edition of 30 with Murdy, we speak to Mattingly and others to take a look back at his record-tying home run streak in the summer of 1987. Entering the '87 season, Don Mattingly, you could argue, was simply the best hitter in baseball. He won the batting title in 1984 with a 343 mark, taking the battle to the final day and edging out teammate and future Hall of Famer Dave Winfield. In 1985, Mattingly hit 324, slammed 35 home runs, and drove in 145 runs, and he won the AL MVP award in a runaway over future Hall of Famers George Brett and Ricky Henderson. Then in 1986, Mattingly hit 352 with 31 homers and a league leading OPS of 967, which was his best season yet by modern metrics. That year, he finished second in the MVP voting to Roger Clemens. Donnie Baseball was entering Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio territory in the pantheon of young Yankees legends, but as 1987 began, the 26-year-old Mattingly wasn't off to the start befitting the best hitter in baseball. Mattingly was batting .240 two weeks into May. And while he hiked his average up to 311 by the first week in June, he still had only six home runs and then spent three weeks on the DL with a back injury. Mattingly came off the DL on June 24th and got hot, batting 370 over the next two weeks. But there was still something missing. Mattingly hit two homers in 54 at-bats back off the DL. Still only eight homers for the season, and the All-Star break was only five days away. George Steinbrenner wasn't happy about his star player's obvious power outage, so he dispatched one of his lieutenants to help him figure it out. Bobby Mercer had been forced into retirement in the early 80s in part because Mattingly was on the rise. Mercer, a former All-Star himself, was now a TV broadcaster and worked in the front office for the Yankees as well.
1: It's funny because I was really not swinging the bat very well going into that streak. And the one other thing I always remember, and you know how Mr. Steinbrenner was with bringing guys in, uh, Bobby Mercer came down to talk to me. You know, and I'd already had some success and stuff, so Bobby knew, he watched on TV and stuff. He came in and just gave me a little suggestion about, hey, why don't you just get up tall and just sink when the ball's, you know, just kind of sink down when the ball's on the way. Because I was having trouble letting the ball kind of come to me that year. So I tried it in BP, and it felt pretty good. I tried it in the game, and it just clicked. And that kind of locked me in, and all of a sudden, everything seemed like the ball was just slowing down for me. And you just felt like you're going to hit everything hard.
5: That first night, just hours after Mercer's advice, July eighth, Mattingly went two for four with two home runs: a three-run shot off Mike Smithson in the first inning, and then a solo homer off Juan Berenguer in the sixth. Yankees beat the Twins thirteen to four. The next night, in a six-three loss to the White Sox in the opener of a four-game series at Yankee Stadium, the final series before the All-Star break, Mattingly went two for four with a sixth-inning home run off Richard Dotson. The Yankees bounced back with a 9-5 win over the White Sox in the next game, and Mattingly went 3-5. for five. His third inning grand slam off lefty Joel McKeon was the difference. It was also his third straight game with a home run. Mattingly homered off Jose De Leon in the third inning of the next game, part of a 3-for-7 day in a 15-inning, five-and-a-half-hour marathon. There was just one more game left before the All-Star break, and in his final at-bat on Sunday, Mattingly homered off Jim Wynn in a 6-2 Yankees win. Mattingly, who had only eight home runs five days earlier, had slugged six homers in five games. For Mattingly, this was less about the home runs than it was about his overall feel at the plate. He was seeing the ball and hitting the ball well and that it was going out of the park every night was a bonus.
1: It was just a hot streak in my mind, and the home runs were just happening. I never really, there may have been five, ten times in my career that I actually tried to hit one when we needed, like, like felt like we needed one. Most of the times, the home runs, I always knew that they came out of my swing, making good contact, if the ball was in the right spot, you know, it had a chance to go if I hit it right.
5: The five-game streak was one shy of the American League record, but Mattingly was now headed to Oakland, where for the first time, he was the American League's starting first baseman in the All-Star game. And for a little while, he didn't think much about the streak. So
1: the All-Star game breaks it up, you quit talking about it, and that kind of you forget about it uh, in general. But when six came, I think that pushed the, kind of put it on a little bit more of the national national headline.
5: But with the second half of the season about to get underway, Mattingly's streak was once again on the front burner. And while he had gotten used to attention as the best player on the New York Yankees for the last few years, Mattingly's daily comments indicated he was much more interested in talking about the team and team goals rather than his daily accomplishments.
1: I think I always did that, Sweeney, to be honest with you. Anything that came personalized, wanted to push it back to, the, to a team. And really that was my whole career it was really just put games behind you. And move forward and try to win the next game and and do something to help your team win the next game and obviously you know you're swinging the bat well but you know we needed to kind of get going
5: it's not to say mattingly was oblivious to the streak he knew he was in a place that didn't come along very often he was just trying to stay there as long as possible and downplaying it publicly was part of the process
1: yeah i know i knew what was going on uh but again i think that always was always my approach in new york you know, in a season or a, or a stretch, is continue to move forward. Just just don't worry about what you've done in the past. Just move forward and and go forward with everything. I try to even my players today. I'm trying to get them to put bad games behind them and good games. But you still got to, it's got to, it's another day, and all of a sudden you go from being hot to cold real quick. So when you're hot, you want to ride that. So you're just trying to put games behind you and go to the next day and keep try to keep that feel.
5: When the streak began, the Yankees were 20 games over five hundred and holding a four-game lead in the AL East. Their lead at the All-Star break was three games over the young and hungry Toronto Blue Jays. The Yankees were opening the second half on a three-city road trip, starting in Arlington, Texas, against the Rangers. Texas in July is hot. Don Mattingly in July of 87 was hotter. The second-year manager with Texas was Bobby Valentine.
2: He was one of the best hitters in the league at the time, and he was the hottest hitter in the league at the time. We were doing video scouting. Uh, I didn't have an advanced man. I had a big satellite dish up on our roof. I had a guy recording all the the games uh, of the teams that we were about to play. And so um, I remember watching his um, previous games, and he hit like – four different pitches for home runs and he hit him to different parts of the field and uh tom house and i who were kind of reviewing the video kind of looked at each other and said uh, well let's walk him <laughs> and then we laughed we were amazed to to ever get him out uh, when Dom mattingly was uh, hot and um, he was not only hot, he was great.
5: Knuckleballer Charlie Huff was scheduled to start the first game of the series for Texas. Mitch Williams, a young, flame-throwing reliever for the Rangers, still remembers the early scouting report he got on Mattingly from Huff in spring training.
3: I, I still remember coming into big league camp, and Charlie Huff was one of the people I hung out with the most. He would talk about Don Mattingly, and it was actually comical. He used to say, uh, Mattingly goes into the equipment manager every year and says, uh, give me a pair of pants that are too big, a jersey that doesn't fit, uh, a pair of lightning fast hands, and I'll go play.
5: That Mattingly was bringing the most celebrated home run streak in decades into Texas was something Williams and the Rangers knew wasn't good news for them, no matter what the plan of attack.
3: When you get guys like Donnie, when they get hot, they got to get themselves out, and that's just what it comes down to. You can make pitches on them. They'll find a way to beat you, especially when they're locked in. And at that time, obviously, Donnie was locked in.
5: Mattingly slugged a second-inning grand slam off Huff to extend his streak to six straight games with a home run, tying the American League record. And for good measure, he tacked on a two-run shot off Williams in the eighth inning. Yankees won the game easily, 12-3. Lefties hit only 146 off Mitch Williams in 1987. The fear factor certainly played a role for most of those lefties, but it didn't work against Mattingly.
3: If you were a left-handed hitter, you really didn't want to face me for the simple fact I threw hard but I didn't have real good command of it and what I missed I always missed up and into a left-hander so a lot of guys would go up there and just give up the at-bat Don Mattingly wouldn't give up an at-bat I don't care who he And and that's the one thing I really remember about him you're gonna have to grind every time he stepped in the box it wasn't gonna be okay I'm gonna get up here if he strikes me out, he strikes me out. I'm not swinging. That wasn't Donnie at all. He wanted to win every at bat when he walked to the plate. The fastest hands I've ever seen are were on Ken Griffey Jr. And that what made Griff good is what made Mattingly good. If they let the ball get deep, and and what I mean by that, they weren't committing to a pitch early. They were they could wait so long because their hands were so fast. And, there's just very few guys that you see like that. I mean, if I'm throwing 97 and he still has the ability to let the ball travel and get deep in the zone and still get the barrel to it, and that's what happened on the home run. Uh Actually, I kind of beat him because the ball had gotten so deep, but his hands were so fast he was still able. It was actually a late swing that he got the barrel on and just drove it out of the park down right down the left field line.
5: Mattingly was now sitting on six games, tied for the American League record with six players. Ken Williams, Lou Gehrig, Roy Severs, Roger Maris, Frank Howard, and Reggie Jackson. As a crowd of 33,000 plus settled into Arlington Stadium, Mattingly and everyone else thought he had set the new AL record in his very first at bat. But his first inning drive off Bobby Witt only went for a double off the center field fence. Veteran journalist Malcolm Moran was there for the New York Times
4: ball to center field and Odeby McDowell turns and watches and it hits off the top of the wall for a double. And and in the press box, we all thought the same thing that, that Donnie was thinking that he told us later, which was, that's it. I mean, that, you know, that was his shot uh, and you know, it was unlikely that he was going to be able to do it again.
5: Bobby Witt was rocked for five runs in just two innings and he was relieved by lefty Paul Kilgus. This could have been trouble for Mattingly if he wasn't as locked in as he was. The pitcher, the wind—nothing was to his advantage under normal circumstances. Mattingly grounded out in his first at bat against Kilgus, then got to see him a second time. Here's Bobby Valentine.
2: Kilgus was, you know, a little left hander. He had a, a carpenter's bag of tricks. Nothing overpowering, uh, but he was pretty good against left handed pitching during that stretch. I mean, left handed hitting during that stretch. And uh, the old Arlington Field, you know, when the wind was blowing in from right, uh, you couldn't hit it out of there with a howitzer. You know, it, the flags were stiff. It was a hundred degrees. Um, but um, you know, if if a left-hand hitter was going to go deep, he had to actually circumvent the uh, the wind that was blowing in. And, and Don did that with a, a line drive bullet that um, you know went halfway up into the bleachers, as I remember it. It was just. Um, a, a remarkable feat. That day, I remember the wind blowing almost straight in in
1: Texas, that felt like. And it was a lefty, so you never know when you're going to get the pitch, and it has to be the right pitch. It kind of hung me a breaking ball, and just sit right there for me. And that was kind of a low one. If it got up at all, it wouldn't have went out. But the wind would have knocked it
5: down. Mattingly calls this homer the biggest surprise of the streak, given that he just didn't expect it to happen the way it did. As the Yankees won the game eight to four, Mattingly set a new AL record with a home run in seven straight games. However, Mattingly wasn't ready to bask in the spotlight. Surrounded by reporters, he tried his best to downplay his individual achievement. In direct contrast to the confidence he was carrying to the plate every night knowing he had at least two hits and a home run ready to roll out of his bat each game. As Mattingly was asked about the legendary names he just passed, one in particular caught his attention.
4: The topic of Garrick came up and the fact that he had just set an American League record that Garrick had shared. And and it was one of the most reflective things that I ever heard him say. And, you know, I went back and I looked at the clip and and what he said was, I'll bet he set those records without even thinking about it. He was going out every day, probably trying to help his club win too. And they were probably in a pennant race doing something special. Those are the Yankees. It was one of those rare, reflective moments in the course of a season when when you realize that he was doing the same thing that Lou Gehrig was trying to do each day. And, and all the other people that had worn that uniform. And, I mean, it, it, it was a, a really sweet moment to be able to share in.
5: After another series of humble, team-first quotes to the media, Moran remembers seeing Mattingly share a quiet celebration with his teammates.
4: After the game, some the clubhouse attendant had put a bottle of sparkling wine next to his locker in the corner of it. And after he was finished with us, he quietly took the bottle around the clubhouse without explaining what he was doing, and just offered teammates a sip. And, and a bunch of them had no idea what it was about. I remember uh, Ricky Henderson said, we ain't won nothing. That was his quiet way of celebrating.
5: Mattingly went for the record-tying game number eight on a Saturday night in Arlington and the Rangers' crowds were getting bigger. In fact, this crowd of over 41,000 was the second largest crowd the Rangers had all year, behind only their home opener. Demand for tickets shot up, thanks to Mattingly, and it happened so quickly, the team wasn't prepared for it. They actually had to put many fans into a spillover section in the center field batter's eye, an area that's supposed to be kept open so the hitter doesn't have to struggle to see the ball. This is Bobby Valentine.
2: We're doing everything and every. Anything we can, we have concerts after uh, Friday night games. We're trying to convince people that the Texas Rangers didn't uh, have a badge and, and ride a horse, but we're a baseball team, and we are actually creating some excitement. And uh, with the Yankees in town and uh, with headlines and national headlines going around with the uh, Madden League streak, it kind of all converged together. It was a walk-up crowd. There was no uh advanced noticed that we were all of a sudden going to be uh full and i remember them taking down the <clears throat> taking down the uh, ropes uh in those outfield bleachers and they were just bleachers you know these were these were uh, tin seats that people baked in the sun in and uh, why they would sit out there is beyond comprehension but uh, on this particular day they just kept lining up and. Uh, as we were doing <clears throat> our infield practice, which some might remember what that is, we saw that the people were starting to get in the center field. And, uh, you know, I think it was Dave Schmidto, who was the uh, promotions director of, uh, uh, of, of the camp, came down and says, hey, we don't know what to do with these people. We're going to sit them out there. And I said, going to sit them out. But in the batter's eye, what if someone gets hurt? Who's going to get sued? And he says, no one's going to get hurt. We were just selling And I think it was like a $4 seat, too.
5: Mattingly grounded out his first at bat. In the fourth inning, the 41,000-plus got what they came to see. Mattingly led off the inning with an opposite field home run off Jose Guzman. With home runs now in eight consecutive games, Mattingly tied Dale Long's 31-year-old Major League record.
1: I was surprised that day, too, because Guzman always pitched me away, ran the ball hard away from me, like a sinker guy away, tough guy to get up in the air, and I hadn't hit him that good. I didn't really hit, hit very many opposite field homers, and I remember kind of slicing him into that corner on a ball that just got up enough. Because I'm really looking out over the plate with this guy, not not looking to hit a home run, looking out over the plate to get something up that I can kind of hit into left center. And he, Obviously, I, I hit it pretty good and just probably caught it a little bit late, and placed it into that
5: corner. The Yankees lost the game 7-2. to two. Although they were still in first place by three games, Mattingly's home run streak wasn't making George Steinbrenner any happier about his team. And Mattingly hated the focus solely on his individual at-bats and achievements instead of on the team. One way or another, it will be over tomorrow night, Mattingly said, referring to the fourth and final game of the series Sunday night in Arlington, where he would either set a new record or see his streak come to an end. But don't let that comment make you think Madeline was feeling pressure. As he has said many times over the years, when you're in a hitting groove like that, there is no such thing as pressure.
1: <laughs> exactly. You're, when, you've been, when you're have been hot like that, you're not feeling any pressure for sure. You're just having, that's actually, you're fun the way you're swinging the bat, right? That part of it you're happy with. That, hey, I'm swinging the bat good. I'm, I've been locked in. You know, just, again, keep riding that. there's no pressure to actually hit another one because you don't expect to hit another one.
5: On July 19th, there were only 30,000-plus fans at this game, but thousands more had called to charge tickets and had them mailed to their house as potential souvenirs. Greg Harris, who once famously pitched with both arms during the same game, was the starting pitcher for Texas. Mainly, he was a right-hander, and Mattingly grounded out against Harris in the first inning. In his second at-bat, Mattingly singled to center, and then in his third at-bat, he lined out to first base. When the Rangers scored 8 runs in the 6th inning and 4 more in the 7th, they had turned a 3-2 nail biter into a 15-2 blowout. In the top of the 8th, Mattingly came up against righty reliever Jeff Russell in what was likely to be his last at bat and his last chance at setting a new record. The outcome of the game was in no doubt. The only suspense left was whether or not Mattingly was going to hit a home run and set a new Major League record. Valentine had a conversation with Russell before the inning, with history of one kind or another on the line.
2: We've gone after this guy the same way every day. We haven't had a lot of great success, but you have better stuff than some of those other guys. Let's go right at them.
5: Ordinarily, Russell knew what he would try to do to get out Mattingly, who during his career was 9 for 19. A 4.74 average against a hard-throwing righty.
0: I would definitely try to get him out in. You didn't want him to get extended and just be able to flip the ball out. That was was humiliating to me when those guys were able to just stick their bat out and flip it over shortstop. I'd try to sink the ball Mm -hmm. like uh, Maddox used to throw. I'd try to throw one of those in there, and then I had a cutter. And I'd try to throw a cutter in and then throw a slider in his back foot. And then if it was 3-2... I would, I would probably just try to run the ball down and away because it was, it was my strength because it's my arm side. But again, it was a strength of his to get a ball out of the plate.
5: This time, the situation was different, not simply because of the record on the line, but also because the score of the game meant Russell lost nothing if he gave up a home run here. Russell remembers giving Mattingly the batting practice signal pitchers use to let them know what's coming—fastball or breaking ball. Russell had a fastball in the mid nineties, so it wasn't really the same as grooving one.
0: I can remember giving Mattingly the glove, just letting him know it was fastball's coming. So somebody's going to set a record, let him set it. You know, it's it's not very easy to do. I mean, if try to hit nine in a row, that's that's pretty incredible. I was going to give him good fastballs. You know, I wasn't, I was not going to let up on fastball, but I was going to give him something definitely could handle. They were four seamers.
1: It was a blowout. It was my last at bat. And that's actually one time that I probably tried to hit one because it was a blowout. And I was like, you know, go for it.
5: Mattingly lined a double down the left field line. In a game, the Yankees would lose 20 to three. Mattingly went two for four with a single and a double and his streak ended.
1: And what was really cool is that Russell just pumped me heated. He just kept coming after me. And I mean, he threw hard and he had good stuff. I ended up, I think I hit a ball in the left center. But uh, I thought it was really cool that he, he was like, hey, let's go. You know, it was kind of one of those, hey, I'm coming after you. And, you know, it was on me, he was on the attack. It wasn't like he was trying to trick me or it was basically like, you're going to
2: do it, you're going to do it on my best stuff. And I, that was fun. We didn't mind we were going to be in the in the record, but one way or the other, either he's going to continue the streak or we're going to stop the streak, but, you know, I I, I, I like the fact that um, he appreciated Russell going after him, you know, and he had a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball too, it's not like he was going after him with, with kid stuff.
5: Mattingly stood on second base and during the standing ovation, he tipped his helmet and gave a point to Russell, letting him know that he appreciated the confrontation and a chance to set the record against a pitcher who gave him an honest effort.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I remember that. And just, again, appreciative of, of just that, that one-on-one matchup and that attack. You know, that was that's the part that, that I appreciated in him, that he wasn't going to try to trick me or not be in the strike zone, or say you're not going to do it off me or anything like that. It was more like he was on the attack.
0: And I thought that was cool. I gave it right back to him. It was awesome. You know, for me, I had an opportunity to I don't want to say I wanted to break it you know I wanted to give me the opportunity but I wanted to do it the right way I didn't want to try to throw sliders and stuff at
5: was there a sense of disappointment when it was all over or perhaps relief
0: no none of that really um again
1: I, I think it was just I still know I'm swinging the back good and and being hot you know when you're swinging the back good that's you know satisfactory in that part of the game you know the fact that you're swinging the back good right then and you're hot and you, and there's a lot of season left I never really got caught up in any of the that type of stuff. Again, just kind of always, always pushing forward. You know, to me, that's the way to have your best season is don't get caught of what, you know, you're having a good year, but don't get caught in that, right? Just keep pushing forward. There's so much baseball to be played. And so just just the pushing forward part was was easy. That was the easiest way for me to play anywhere, but in New York, especially when There is a lot of tension on things that sometimes are outside of just the field or outside of
5: the team. Despite his desire to deflect attention to team goals, Mattingly handled all the media attention with relative ease. But that was nothing unusual for the people like Malcolm Moran, who had covered him regularly during his run as one of the top players in the game.
4: It was very similar to the way that he's handled everything else that we as a group have thrown at him. He did admit... That on when he finally tied Dale Long, he said, "I know I talk about not caring about it, but it does feel better after I hit one."
5: Mattingly received congratulations from Dale Long on a radio show the next day, and then the two record holders met up at an event in the off season.
1: We did a thing later that in the in the off season, and really nice guy, and it was cool because he's like, man, he, he was real appreciative of the fact that his name kind of start being brought up a lot, you know, and it brought attention back that he, he had hit. Done that, so that that I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, that made me feel good for him.
5: Oddly enough, it took Mattingly almost no time at all to put on another record-setting performance. But this time, he did it with his glove. On Monday, July 20th in Minnesota, the very next game after the streak ended in Texas, Tommy John fired a complete game and with a sinker in full effect for ground ball after ground ball, Mattingly tied the major league record for putouts by a first baseman in a nine-inning game with 22. As much as he admires and appreciates it, Manningly admits that he holds that record merely by coincidence and circumstance.
2: Yeah, because that's
1: a defensive one. And really, that's kind of a... I don't know to be proud of that, because really he just caught 22 balls going across the field. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really his record. It should be Tommy's record, not a record for a guy that gets the foot out.
5: But upon learning that night, he had tied another major league record, Mattingly knew how to brush this one off quickly.
1: I feel like I remember I said it to somebody, I'm not quite sure I said it to the media. So it was like the last thing I need right now is another
5: record. And that was partly because of how George Steinbrenner reacted in their long-running war of words during Mattingly's years as the brightest star on the boss's team.
1: Something about I was more concerned about records than I was about winning games. It didn't really set great with me just because of the fact I knew that I was. it was always about trying to win.
5: Within a year, there were rumors that maybe the Yankees would trade Mattingly. But they never materialized. Even as other controversies arose between him and the boss, including one very famous one about the length of Mattingly's hair, that led to a cameo in a Simpsons episode. During the eight-game streak that went from July 8th through the 18th in '87, the Yankees went five and three, and Mattingly hit 459, 17 for 37, with 10 home runs and 21 RBIs. He walked twice, struck out just twice and hit home runs off three different left-handers and a knuckleballer. The Yankees were in first place by three games when the streak ended. They held on to that spot into the second week of August, when a five-game losing streak sent the Yankees on their way to what would be a fourth-place finish at 89-73. and And, of course, Steinbrenner fired manager Lou Pinella and brought back Billy Martin. Mattingly finished the 1987 season with 30 home runs. It was his third straight and last 30 homer season. The back issues would begin to rob Mattingly of more and more power. His home run total dropped to 18 in 1988, went up to 23 in 89, and then he had a total of just 58 home runs over his final six major league seasons. When he finally made the postseason in his final year with the Yankees in 1995, Mattingly's bat sprang to life as he hit over 400 and blasted two home runs in an epic five-game loss to the Mariners. Mattingly's final seasons hurt his career totals, and the drop-off kept him from earning enough votes for the Hall of Fame, topping out at 28%, nowhere close to the 75% needed for election. The Yankees retired as number 23 in 1997, and he is to this day one of the most revered players in the last 50 years of Yankees history. And in that summer of 1987, he was for a short time the best and most feared hitter in the entire sport. In 1993, Ken Griffey Jr. homered in eight consecutive games to tie Long and Mattingly for the Major League record. In the 2000s, Barry Bonds, Jim Tomey, and Kevin Mench all had home run streaks that got to seven games. But it's now been 61 years since Dale Long set the mark, and it's been equaled twice but never passed. Babe Ruth's single-season home run record was passed twice in 61 years. And the career home run records of Ruth and then Hank Aaron stood for less than 40 years apiece. This record of home runs in eight straight games has been challenged, but never broken. Does one of the two men who came closest think it can ever be broken? I
1: kind of do. It seems like there's been enough guys to get close. The way home runs are being hit, uh, I would think it would be something that, that somebody would do. Because again, I don't necessarily think it has to be a total home run hitter. I think it's just a hot streak.
5: And Mattingly actually brought up the name of current Yankee slugger Aaron Judge as the kind of hitter that can make a run at it.
1: That's the kind of guy who's hitting for average, getting good pitches to hit, and he can hit them out of anywhere. So that thing has a chance to, to me, if you get the right guy, there's no reason that it's just a hot streak. And if they got a little power, then it, it's something that can happen.
5: 30 years later, can Mattingly still remember just what it felt like to be that locked in, where hitting a home run was as easy as tying your shoes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's stuff you don't forget. When you're feeling like that, you don't, you don't forget.
5: And Yankee fans will never forget Donnie Baseball and the summer of 1987. That's it for this special edition of 30 with Murdy. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.